Revelation chapter 2 this morning. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. Uh, visitors, we tend to be uh, studying through uh, books of the Bible verse by verse, and uh, we are. Uh, we recently started a trip through the book of Revelation. Uh, here in Revelation chapter 2, of course, we find uh, some of the Lord's messages uh, to the churches uh, here in, in this first part of the book. Uh, we've taken the position that these are literal churches that the Lord uh, is writing to, and that the angels mentioned uh, uh, in these churches almost certainly would seem to be the pastors. I think that would be the case. Uh, Mike, we've made the observation that underlying word uh, has the idea of messenger, right? And uh, just as the Lord has used angels to serve as messengers, uh, for example, to Mary and Joseph, uh, pastors uh, are the Lord's messengers, in a sense, bringing his words through their teaching and preaching. And so just a quick review of that idea. This morning, uh, here in Revelation uh, 2, beginning in verse 8, uh, we find the Lord's message to Smyrna, uh, another uh, city there uh, in Asia. Brother Ray, you recall, not what we would view as Asia today, but the province of Asia, modern-day Turkey. Uh, recall that we began with Ephesus, uh, let's be western Turkey today, uh, and then we moved up uh, to the north, a little bit to the east, to Smyrna last week. And if we move a little bit further up, we come to uh, the city, first century city uh, of Pergamos. Doesn't bear that name today. I, I meant to write down uh, the, the modern-day name of, of that area. Uh, but that's, that's the, uh, the general area. Now, I'll just share a little bit about uh, first century Pergamos because I think it is important to understand some of uh, the language that we see in Lord's message to this church. Uh, Zach, this was a place that was pretty important uh, in terms of commerce. It was uh, a city that kind of grew up uh, at a, a crossroads of some of the major uh, roads and highways uh, there in uh, what will be Western Turkey today uh, or uh, Western Asia uh, at the time. And uh, so it became, a, Brother Ray, a major center for commerce, for banking, for finance. It drew in a lot of the wealthy people and power uh, and influence. Of course, they brought a lot of their uh, theological errors with them. Mike, it became a center like, like so much of, of, of the world at that time. Uh, very, very much uh, focused um, um, on things that they should not have been focused on. Uh, there, there was a, a great deal of false worship there. There was uh, a great deal of, of pagan worship. There was an altar to Zeus there, which was uh, very well known. Uh, there, there was a temple of Athena. Uh, there was a temple of Trajan. There was a temple of Dionysus. Uh, really, as much as it was a center for finance, it was a major center uh, of pagan worship at, as well. It was a center of learning. There was a library there that uh, people say rivaled uh, the, the library uh, at Alexandria. And so this, this was an important place. It was uh, a place that had a lot of influence um, at the time. Zach, it was a place where the gospel could spread also. And so it was a strategically valuable place for uh, the gospel to be, uh, as people would come and go for various reasons, uh, they'd be exposed to the gospel and pray, praise God for that. So keep some of those things in mind as we uh, make our way uh, into the passage this morning here, uh, beginning in verse 12, Revelation chapter 2, uh, verse 12, and to the angel uh, of the church 
the assembly uh, in Pergamos writes. So again, it would seem to be the pastor who's being addressed literally, uh, the, the church in general, but the pastor literally, uh, write this, uh, John is commanded. Uh, These things uh, saith he which hath the sharp sword uh, with two edges. And so that's language that we're familiar with, right? We've, we've seen that back um, in uh, verse 16. Of course, I think we've mentioned this already, but if we haven't, you can't help but think about uh, Hebrews uh, 4.12. The word of God is uh, you could quote it, right? Quick and powerful uh, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divine thunder of soul and spirit uh, in, and so forth. So, uh, Brother Mike, we, we praise God for all of his words uh, and for their power uh, in our lives. Uh, he which hath the sharp sword uh, with two edges, uh, this, this would be the Lord uh, the one who has his words, uh, and of course the angel is delivering, uh, the, the, the Lord is delivering, forgive me, his words uh, to this church uh, for his purposes. We could say more, uh, but let's keep moving here. We've got some things to cover uh, this morning. Look at verse 13. Uh, as we've seen uh, with the other churches, the, the two prior churches, uh, the Lord seems to commend the church. So there's, remember, there's the, the general pattern is that the Lord will commend them for certain things that are right in the church uh, and then warn them about certain things that they need to deal with. And then, Zach, you recall, he makes promises, it would seem, to those who, who would take up these words, right? Not just hear them, but put them into action. Uh, Lord, help us to be uh, not only hearers of your words, but doers of them uh, as well. Certainly that was the Lord's idea uh, in, in this case as well. Mike, the Lord just didn't give his words just because, right? He, uh, he wants us to receive them, apply them to our hearts, uh, and to do them, right? That was the case here as well. That's the principle we want to be sure that we, we get a hold of and don't let go of. Lord, give us hearts to receive your words, uh, get them down into our hearts, and to be in the business of doing uh, your words. Well, here at verse 13, there's a familiar a phrase that's now familiar to us also. Uh, he says, I know thy works. Uh, so remember, just as we saw uh, with Smyrna last week, the Lord says, hey, uh, I can see your service. I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I see it. Uh, I know your works. Of course, that would be encouraging to them. We, we talked, spent a little bit of time uh, on that last week. The Lord sees our service, whether uh, it's sort of uh, up front, out in the open, or if the service to which we are called is, is more behind the scenes, the Lord sees it. That's, that's the important thing. He says, I know uh, thy works. Uh, the individual works of the pastor and the individual members of the church, no doubt, uh, is the idea of the plural uh, there. I know thy works uh, and where thou dwellest. Uh, and then he says this, which is uh, a little bit challenging maybe, kind of cause you to stop and, and, and think about this. He said, even where Satan's uh, seat is. Well, that's, that's a little bit uh, challenging. E even where Satan's uh, seat is. Uh, religiously, Pergamos was the center of what, Zach? Uh, uh, not, not so much uh, faithful, biblical 
uh, Christianity, but really more a center of pagan worship, right? Uh, and uh, I think I mentioned it, it was a center for uh, Zeus worship. Uh, the, I think the great altar of Zeus was one of the, um, help me out, um, one of the great, um, uh, I can't get a hold of the phrase, uh, wonders of, of the ancient world, uh, that, that kind of thing. Uh, the great altar of Zeus uh, might be, Mike, what is in view here? Uh, Satan's seat, that, that, that's a possibility. Um, it may also allude to the fact that Pergamos was a center of uh, Roman emperor worship. Remember the Romans, uh, they had their emperors, but they, they really weren't just civil leaders. They were quite literally worshiped. Uh, by the people, at least that, that was encouraged. Uh, that was part of the culture of the Roman Empire. Of course, this, uh, this would be a, a place within the Roman Empire. And so uh, it, it would, uh, in any event, it alludes to some kind of false worship, uh, it would seem, uh, that was taking place in Pergamos, as, as would have been the case in you know, any major city uh, in, in the world at that time. Uh, but this is probably the idea, uh, an allusion either to the great altar where Zeus was worshipped uh, or perhaps more generally to the false worship, which would have included uh, the worship uh, of the Roman Empire. He says, uh, I know thy works. That's good. I see your service. Be encouraged. Uh, where thou dwellest, uh, even where Satan's seat is. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged that the Lord both sees our service, uh, the good things, and, and he sees uh, where the, the enemy is arrayed against us. Carol, that, that's encouraging to me uh, because I, I have a Lord, I, I have a Savior who knows the battle that I'm in. Uh, and, of course, he, he's able to protect and, and give strength. You might you can look at that and see this language where Satan's seat is. That, that sounds bad, and of course it is. This would be offensive to the Lord, and, and there would be spiritual dangers to the people that, that would come with this false worship. But um, the fact that the Lord uh, sees the good, the bad, and, and the other, I think we can, we can be encouraged by that. Uh, what the Lord sees, uh, he can protect us from. Uh, what he sees, he, he can strengthen us to fight, and I, I, I take uh, encouragement uh, from that. Let's look at the next portion of verse 13 there. He says, and uh, thou holdest fast my name uh, and hast not denied uh, my faith. Well, that'd be encouraging too. The Lord uh, sees the faith of the pastor. He sees the faith of uh, the faithful church members. Thou holdest fast my name. Uh, and hath not denied my faith, uh, he says, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr and was slain among you uh, where Satan dwelleth. And again, that, that could be a, an allusion to Zeus worship or to the pagan worship in general or to the cult of emperor worship in general. Uh, the idea would be some, some kind of allusion to the false worship there. Now, um, look at the language here again. He, verse 13 begins, I, I know thy works. Uh, he's, he says, I know the spiritual battle that is all around you, uh, and thou holdest fast my, fast my name. So, Mike, as we saw last week, Lord told the, the, the pastor of the church at, at Smyrna, hey, 
Uh, I see your works, your service, uh, and the fact that you're continuing to serve despite spiritual problems around you. And I think we see a similar idea in, in the construction here. The uh, Lord says, hey, I, I see your, your works, um, and I, I see the spiritual battle that is all around you, uh, and I see that despite the difficulty of the spiritual battle, the paganism, and uh, all, all the spiritual attacks that would come uh, in a place that is such a, uh, a center of pagan worship, I see the fact that you've remained faithful. You've been able to, and, and you've continued to remain faithful. You've, you've hold this fast my name uh, and has not denied uh, the faith. Now, I look at that and I say, well, well praise God. If, if the pastor of that church, the members uh, of that church, Brother Ray, in, in that day could stay faithful to the Lord despite all the wickedness uh, around them, no doubt as they look to the Lord, we can too. Amen? We can too. Uh, I know as you, as you go to Burma, there's going to be all kinds of wickedness, uh, various forms and, and flavors. Uh, there'll be spiritual battles, uh, no doubt, but, but as you look to the Lord, you'll be able to stay faithful uh, as well, despite uh, the battle, the difficulties all around. Um, this uh, area, in, in many ways, is a center of false worship as well. We have all the cults here, uh, all, all, all of the, the cults that, that you might see anywhere in the country, they're, they're here, uh, possibly with the exception of Scientology. We'll say praise God for that. Uh, but there, they, everything else is here. Uh, there's a lot of paganism. There's a lot of Wicca I've mentioned um, here, one town over in Monroe. Uh, for years, we've had a freestanding retail store that focuses on selling those things that are used in, in witchcraft. And, and there's such an interest that that store has been able to survive, even COVID, right? Uh, and, and, and prosper uh, through, through the years. And so we, we know that you know, some of the same uh, kind of dynamic is, is, is here in our area. Brother Ray, despite that, we, we can be faithful. We talk about that a lot, right? Despite where the world is going and the sort of the spiritual tides and currents that have swept up so many, uh, we can be faithful as we cling on to the Lord, hold fast to him. Uh, there's no reason that we can't. And so we do well uh, to remember that and to see that. Uh, that was true in the first century, and it, it's true in this century as well. There's no reason that we can't stay faithful despite the uh, extreme wickedness that, that we see around us, and that's because of Christ uh, and the strength and grace we find uh, in the Lord. We praise God for that. He says, even in those days, uh, last part of verse 13, where an Antipas was my faithful martyr uh, who was slain among you, uh, where Satan dwells. What's he saying? He says, uh, even when things got so bad that this uh, man Antipas was, was martyred uh, uh, for his faith, he, he was slain. I, I don't think we really can uh, know who, who this man is. Some have said perhaps this was the pastor of the church uh, at one time. Uh, evidently, he's a man who was known for his faith and uh, you know, was known publicly uh, for his faith and probably was targeted uh, because of that. So pastor would be a candidate, uh, but anyone, anyone who was out sharing their faith uh, would have been a candidate for persecution um, in this place. And uh, of course, Adoniram Judson was in, in Burma, right? He, certainly we understand that. You go to a place where there's so much opposition, 
uh, as you get very public in your faith, we, we know that there's, there's all kinds of possibilities. Uh, Brother Armacost, did, did the Lord use Judson's persecution? Did the Lord have purposes for allowing that? He most certainly did. And uh, you, so you have to look at a passage like this one, whoever this man Antipas was, and say, well, uh, the Lord no doubt had a variety of purposes for allowing that man to be martyred. Uh, it no doubt was a great testimony to these pagans around him that uh, he would be willing to die for his faith. And Brother A, if a man is willing to die for his faith, he must really believe that, that what he's uh, preaching uh, is true. He, he's going to be willing to die for it. Uh, um, this man, uh, of course, his name is recorded in Scripture as well, and, and, and we're benefiting uh, from, from his choice e even today. Uh, we can open our Bibles and, and see this verse and say, well, uh, even when persecution becomes that severe, God's people can look to the Lord, cling firmly to him, uh, and continue in faith no matter what. Mike, we don't have to worry about that. We have these wonderful examples of men who've been able to hold on to their faith no matter what. Brother Ray, we're without excuse, right? Uh, no, no matter where the world is going, no matter where the people around us are going, no matter what uh, opposition or persecution we, we may face, we may find strength in the Lord to remain faithful. That was true in the first century. It's still true today, and it will continue to be true. Uh, we praise God for that. Um, let's continue. We're going to get, get moving here. Um, so there's much uh, that the Lord commended the church for, their, their faith their service, uh, the pastor in the church, uh, in the face of uh, paganism and, and persecution. Uh, commendable, uh, commendable, much we can learn from that. Uh, and yet there's uh, some things, some problems uh, that need to be uh, corrected. And so the Lord uh, says, listen, um, despite the fact that there's much to be commended, uh, and, and just as there's, uh, you're, you're sort of an island in a sea of doctrinal error, uh, you also have doctrinal error within the assembly, within the church there. Uh, you probably like to think it's, it's all on the outside and you have this pretty pure uh, assembly there, but, but not, not really. There's, there's some doctrinal issues uh, that have come into the church and uh, that needs to be addressed uh, in order for you to be the, the assembly uh, that the Lord would have them to be. He says, but I have a few things uh, against thee uh, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. We'll come back to that. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling stone before the children of Israel uh, to eat things sacrificed unto idols uh, and to commit fornication. Uh, look at verse 15. Um, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicol Nicolaitans. Uh, we've seen that word uh, previously. See it again here. Uh, which thing I hate. Uh, by the way, it's okay to hate certain things. Sin is one of them. <laughs> it's okay to hate sin. Uh, the Lord hates sin, and uh, we do well to, to learn uh, to hate sin as well. He doesn't hate anyone. Uh, but he certainly hates sin, uh, and I believe we should as well. And so uh, the, the Lord is saying, hey, there's, there's doctrinal error uh, there in the church, and, and this is a problem. Mike, doctrinal error always has practical consequences. It always 
uh, affects the church's ability to carry out the Great Commission and on all the elements of it. Uh, doctrinal error always causes practical problems. Of course, it's offensive to the Lord um, as, as well. You get down a couple verses here, if you would please. Titus 3.10 says, A man that is an heretic after the first or second admonition reject. Uh, we know the Lord is interested in, in uh, maintaining uh, spiritually pure churches and uh, when a church becomes aware of doctrinal error, we, we have an obligation biblically uh, to address that error. Of course, lovingly and with wisdom and with an open Bible um, uh, and, and to follow the Lord's uh, path in, in doing that, as we see in Matthew. Uh, but when, when someone holds on to significant doctrinal error, such as that you, you really need to view them as an heretic, uh, eventually, they're called to be rejected, uh, to be put out, to maintain the, uh, the doctrinal uh, purity of, of the assembly. Now, listen, I know practically this side of heaven, Brother Ray will, will not likely agree on, not all of us will likely agree on every little fine point of doctrine. Our goal, of course, is to, and as we study together and uh, yield to the Lord, we come into greater and greater doctrinal unity. Uh, I don't think we're we're saying that if there's you know some little thing, you know, and I or you know an iota. No, it's not not if there's some little thing, uh, but major issues. And and we're not trying to be um, we're not trying to be people that say minor things don't matter. Certainly they do. But there's a wisdom that that gets applied to the application of of these passages. Uh, Romans sixteen seventeen. Get that reference down, please. Uh, Paul writes under inspiration, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary uh, to the doctrine we, uh, you have learned, which ye have learned, uh, and avoid them. So warnings uh, over and over were warned about those uh, who, who would preach or teach uh, false doctrine. I'll give you one more, Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship, no fellowship, uh, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, admonish them, uh, rebuke them, and uh, if they refuse correction, you need to deal with them, Titus 3. And, of course, the Lord has given us church discipline process as well. And so, um, we, again, we understand the Lord is, is interested in, in churches that have a doctrinal purity uh, in that we not ignore those who would be uh, compromising that uh, with false doctrine. So we see uh, two uh, flavors of the spiritual problem, doctrinal issues, uh, that, that had compromised the doctrinal purity of this church. First one, the doctrine uh, of Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam. Do you remember him from the Old Testament? Uh, you remember him, right? Uh, he was the prophet hired by Balak, uh, the enemy king of, of Moab, to do what? Do you remember? Uh, do you remember what he was hired to do? You remember. To curse, to curse yeah, to, to curse God's people. Uh, and, he, and of course, he, he was tempted with, with my you know, wealth and uh, position and things that would appeal to lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, right? Those three buckets of temptation that uh, men have been dealing with all the way going back uh, to the garden. Uh, you recall, uh, no doubt, that um, Balaam was forbidden by the Lord uh, to pronounce a curse 
but he, he kind of also wanted uh, the, the benefits that were being offered to him. He wanted the reward uh, that Balak was offered. And so basically, uh, what, what did he do? He counseled Balak how he might lead Israel uh, into sin. Bal Balaam was, was you know, going to at least put on a front of, of not doing wrong, but uh, of course, in, in the end, uh, said, well, there's, maybe there's a compromise position here. I'll, I'll, I'll not pronounce a curse, uh, but, but I will teach you, I, I will counsel you, uh, Mr. Balak, how, how you might lead Israel to sin uh, and thereby invite the Lord's chastisement upon them. That's really what he wanted. Uh, was that a good compromise? No. Anytime, anytime there's spiritual compromise, um, you probably have to say that that's not good. Amen. Uh, Lord, help us get a hold of that. Uh, anytime there's compromise in spiritual things, uh, you're probably not going to be pleased uh, with that. Of course, this that was that was the case here. Um, I'll get my words out. Second Peter two fifteen uh, refers to Balaam. Uh, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Uh, Lord, help us to remember that the power of temptation, the power of sin is, is broken at the cross. Mike, we don't have to give in to temptation. We know what is right from God's word. We know what is wrong from God's words. Uh, we know, Brother Gary, we can yield to the Lord and, and find grace, find strength in him to uh, be obedient to him, um, even when the temptation is strong. No doubt the temptation that Balaam faced uh, was strong. Um, he really wanted those things that were being offered to him. Uh, temptation is just that. It, it's tempting. Uh, but we can find strength in the Lord to... Uh, to take the way out that he all, always provides. Um, so Lord says uh, to the pastor here at Pergamos, uh, thou hast there them that hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling stone before the children of Israel, uh, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and, and to commit fornication. So uh, evidently there, there were people in the church who uh, were likely, uh, ha they had been tempted uh, to introduce uh, false doctrine uh, or to somehow provoke the people uh, into sin. Uh, the church um, evidently had some awareness of that and, and were not dealing with it as they should have been through the church uh, discipline process. Zach, knowing what you know about Pergamos, who might have been the people in town who might have been behind that? Uh, who, who might have been some of those people? Well, uh, probably some of the rich bankers, the rich financiers who were there, who, who had the means to tempt. Uh, they, the, many of those folks would have been the same ones who were caught up in the, in the extreme paganism uh, of Pergamos. So they had the means to tempt. Uh, they had sort of the false spiritual motivation to want to uh, tempt the Christians away from their thing uh, and, and to encourage uh, probably something more like the faith that they were practicing. And so, you know, that all just fits with uh, what we know about the, the history and culture of Pergamos. There would have been people there with the motivation uh, to corrupt the church uh, and the means 
uh, to do that. Brother Ray, maybe they studied the Old Testament and, and discovered a way to uh, mess with, that's the theological term, Brother Armacross, mess with the church at Pergamos. Yeah, that's what the Greek says. It's in the Greek, mess with, right? Uh, so, you know, Lord help us. Lord help us to bear in mind that uh, there, there are people that want to mess with God's assemblies today. They're, they're looking for an open door to do that. Um, and uh, many of them are very strategic uh, in how they do that. They'll, they'll try to come with something, some, some offer that, that is tempting. They're students of people and, and uh, motivations that, that we struggle with, uh, all having the same um, sin nature. Uh, you, you may recall there was a man here uh, not all that long ago in, in recent years uh, who I shared with you was, was trying to draw people into uh, one of the cults here, a cult that controlled the University of Bridgeport for a time, actually. Um, and I, I've, I've shared with the church, he, he's the only man that, I've, that has a lifetime ban from the property. Uh, we, he, he was warned, uh, he was rebuked, he was warned, he was rebuked, and when he persisted in, in his activities, I said, you know, that, that's a snake, and this pastor is called to protect this assembly from, from that. You, you'd certainly rather see him corrected and, and be genuinely saved and, and not have to treat anyone that way, but we understand that uh, we live in a world where, where, where people have certain motivations. Brother Ray, Satan is no doubt behind all of that, but uh, if, if people refuse to be corrected, we have an obligation to deal with them. and. Uh, this pastor is in the Lord, able and willing to do that. We, we praise God for that. Verse 15, so hast, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, uh, which things I hate. Uh, in recent memory, Dr. Strauss did an entire lecture series on the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, uh, if I recall correctly. And, uh, we saw this word back in verse 6. Uh, has the, it's a compound word, has literal uh, idea of to conquer uh, the laity or to conquer uh, the people, those that would hold to the idea of lording over the people as a dictator uh, rather than as a pastor shepherd humbly called to lead the people uh, into truth, service, obedience to the Lord. Uh, there, there were some who taken up the idea that, uh, no, we, we can lord over the people in an unbiblical manner and rule as dictators uh, rather than exercising biblical authority. And so there was this problem in the church as well. Uh, by the way, pastors are not called to be dictators. Amen. Pastors are called to be shepherds. And, uh, we balance that idea with, with the idea that we understand the Lord has vested biblical authority in the office of pastor and in the man who the Lord calls to that office, but he's called to exercise that authority wisely with love in a biblical manner uh, under Christ. Uh, we made the observation or offered the theory, I think, that perhaps Diotrephes uh, was perhaps a lost pastor, can't say for sure, but. Third uh, John 9 says that he, he loveth to have the preeminence. Uh, and so may, maybe he was a man that was caught up in this error also. 
uh, that, that may well be the case. Uh, in verse 16, we, we find that the pattern that we've seen the Lord establish in the prior two messages continues. So uh, he's commended them. He, I, I see, uh, I commend you for that which is right. Uh, now I'm, I'm pointing out and, and warning you uh, regarding that which is wrong, which, which you need to correct, the implication being that there's strength uh, and guidance available from the Lord to actually do that. Um, and uh, a, a warning, the warning continues, hey, if you don't do that, there will be consequences, but if you do that, I can promise you a blessing in place of those consequences. So you see the, uh, the warning in verse 16, repent, uh, turn uh, away from the path that you were on, uh, turn away from that and, and get onto the path that you should be on. Uh, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly uh, and will fight against them uh, with the sword uh, of my mouth. And so, you know, that sounds like correction. Uh, repent, uh, get this right uh, or else there will be uh, consequences. Okay, so we understand that. Uh, Mike's sin always has consequences, always. Uh, always for the sinner, very often for those around the sinner as well. And so uh, no doubt the church was already suffering the practical consequences of not dealing with, with these errors. The Lord says, hey, the, the consequences can become worse. Uh, deal with this and avoid those consequences. Uh, instead, uh, you, you can um, have a certain hope of, of blessings. And I think that would be the overriding theme of verse 17. Uh, he that hath an ear, uh, let him hear what the Spirit saith uh, unto the churches. Uh, to him that overcometh uh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna, uh, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, uh, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Well, you know, you look at that verse and you say, sounds good, I think. <laughs> sounds like uh, blessings. Uh, sounds like verse 17 is being contrasted with verses 14, 15, 16. 16. Um, and so I, I think I understand that there's something good being pictured here. Uh, what exactly is, is, is pictured is a, a little bit more challenging. Uh, but I think we can, we can understand um, these things uh, at a little greater depth than just saying, hey, there's, there's a blessing pictured here uh, if we'll receive the Lord's message and, and act upon it. So you have um, the Spirit uh, saying, when we've, we've looked at that, back to chapter 1, we, we had the privilege of seeing sort of the mechanics of the process by which the words come to John. We don't need to revisit that. He says, to him that overcometh, I give to eat uh, of the hidden manna. Uh, what's manna? Uh, what's manna? Front. Gary? Yeah, so that was the Lord's supernatural provision for the people there, there in the wilderness, right? Uh, so I, we know that, that's, that's manna, uh, hidden manna. Maybe, maybe there's something that uh, hasn't been realized up to this point or uh, something uh, that, is, that you receive conditionally. Um, well, I think, that, right, there's the idea of, of a conditional blessing here for obedience. 
Manna was God's provision. It was supernatural. So we can kind of consider the words here and, and, and the context and uh, I think arrive at the idea that there's a, a promise of uh, some special spiritual provision here, uh, perhaps spiritual insight to handle the Lord's words uh, especially well, um, special spiritual insight in, into God's words and, and the things of God may, may be the idea here. Um, we know that the Lord meets the needs of all of his people. That's a promise, Matthew 6, the basic needs. Uh, we know that uh, anyone who's genuinely saved is indwelt by the Spirit of God who ministers to us in various ways, uh, including, I believe, an understanding of God's words. But it does seem to be the case here that there's a, uh, there's a promise of uh, special uh, provision um, or insight into the things of God uh, may well be the idea. Zach, every saved person is indwelt by the Spirit of God, right? Uh, is, is every saved person always filled? Uh, that would seem to be conditional, right? And so we know that the, the yielding to the Holy Spirit is, is the condition uh, with the blessing being a special spiritual empowerment from, from the Holy Spirit. Right? That's, that's how we understand that. So maybe something like that in view here. Uh, to be filled it would be uh, conditional based on yieldedness with a special spiritual empowerment uh, in, general, in a general sense being the blessing. Uh, here a similar idea, a parallel idea. Uh, it, it might be that literally, but I, I think there's something a little bit more specific being uh, hinted at here, the, the provision of insight. It says also, we'll give him a white stone. Uh, Dr. Strauss has written on this, said this, this, this is probably uh, the promise of special favor among the Lord. Of course, uh, we've all been saved by grace, the unmerited or undeserved favor uh, of the Lord. And so um, it's, it's, not, it's not that grace that's available to everyone, but perhaps uh, special favor, white stone. Uh, we're, we're really out of time, but but let me let me share a couple of thoughts here. Um, you've heard the word blackballed, right? Blackballed. Uh, in the ancient world, the white stone was used to cast a favorable yes vote in civil civil matters. A black stone uh, was used to case an, uh, to cast an unfavorable no vote. Uh, hence the term blackballed. Uh, Dr. David Sorison writes, it was custom in ancient courts to note acquittal of charges by giving the defendant a white stone. Uh, a black stone meant condemnation. Uh, and so you kind of bring in some more historical insight context here. Uh, probably the idea here is, is special favor uh, of the Lord, uh, special provision, uh, special favor. And then this phrase, the, and in the new stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he uh, that, that receive it. Um, so we, we praise God here. In, in a general sense here, uh, blessings, favor, newly favored position, uh, consistent with the idea uh, of a new name. Um, Mike, the church is commended for what is right. The church is warned about what is wrong. There's a warning about not taking up God's words and uh, acting upon them. And there's a wonderful promise for taking them up and, and, and doing that, acting upon them. 
Praise God for that. We need to stop. Let's stop there. Sorry for rushing the end. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for uh, all of your words. Uh, certainly, Lord, we thank you for uh, this, this passage regarding the church at Pergamos. Father, I understand this morning that these verses are in our Bible because they're for us too. They're for our instruction. Lord, we need to take up these words and uh, take them very seriously, consider them, chew upon them. Uh, Lord, uh, understand this morning that, that you care deeply about our service, uh, even in the face of spiritual battle, and you make that possible. Lord, you care very deeply about the purity of our church, that we uh, be very serious about uh, dealing with doctrinal error within our assembly. Lord, we know this morning that failure uh, to do that has consequences. Uh, but Lord, if we'll, if we'll simply look to you for grace and strength to do that which you've called us to, there's blessings in store. And, and Father, we thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll work here in the next hour as, as folks come in. Lord, I pray to feel welcomed. And uh, Lord, that you'll just work here this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you all for being here this morning. Sorry for going a little over. Uh, we'll be back in about 15 minutes. All right, see you soon.